On May 23rd, 2013, at approximately 6 p.m. in the evening, I received a phone call that would change the course of my life from that point on. My wife and I were sitting down for supper, taking a break from packing up our apartment for the move to the Houston area that was to take place four days from that point. On the phone was a good friend of mine who told me that my mom and my younger siblings were in a car accident, and he said, the kids are okay, but Timothy, your mom didn't make it. I don't remember everything that was said after that, but I do remember the shock. I remember the grief, the disbelief, and the overwhelming pain and panic that set in. I screamed, I cried, and we loaded up in our car and we began the drive to Houston because I had to get home to my family. Maybe it was just a bad dream, maybe it was a nightmare, and I would wake up from it, but it wasn't, it was real. My mom, the woman who raised me, who loved me, and who was always there for me, was gone. In the next few days, weeks, and months were the hardest of my life up to this point. To this day, I feel the pain of her loss. I think about her every day, and I miss her terribly. That storm of life was particularly brutal for me and my family to endure. I know some of you here this morning have experienced similar pain in your life, and you know all too well the grief and the pain that I've described this morning. Others of you have experienced different storms. Some of you are facing health issues, relationship problems, financial struggles, or suffering because of another person's evil or sinful decisions. And these hardships that we walk through in this life, they are the raging storms of life. They are not pleasant, they are painful. And if we're not careful as Christians, they can be very destructive in our life. Jesus talks about the storms that will come in his parable of the two builders in Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 through 27. Jesus said, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Now Jesus here describes these two men, one who was wise and one who was foolish. They both built houses, but they chose different foundations upon which to build. The wise man chose the strong, long-lasting foundation of rock, while the foolish man built on the unstable and shifting sands. And when the storms arrived, when the rains descended and the floods came up, the wise man's house continued to stand, despite the tempest that was swirling around it, because it was built upon a sure foundation. It may have been beaten up, it may have taken some damage, but it did not fall. In contrast, the foolish man's house was battered, and it was damaged beyond belief, beyond repair. The swirling waters shifted that sound sand foundation beneath it, and that house could no longer stand. So it fell mightily, and it was destroyed. And Jesus compares the wise man who built his house upon that rock with the person who hears Jesus' teaching and does them, and applies those things to their life. This is the person who takes hold of salvation, who holds on to it with eagerness, who thirsts for knowledge from God and reads the word of God, who wants to know God's will, who lives with a spiritual mindset and seeks to build his life house upon the eternal foundation of God in Christ. But that foolish man, Jesus compares with the person who hears Jesus' teaching but does not do them, will not apply them, refuses to do those things that he teaches. This person knows what is right but continues to live selfishly and sinfully caring only about their own physical pleasure and prosperity. They live with a physical mindset and build their life house upon the temporal things of this world. 
And so as we consider this parable, this teaching of Jesus this morning, I want to make a few applications to our life that I think can help us as we face the storms of life that if we are not facing now, we will likely face at some point in the future. I want you to know first off this morning that storms are a part of life. They are part of the human existence. All we have to do is look around us and consider the hard realities that we face as human beings. As a nation, we have faced storms from Pearl Harbor to 9-11 from the Great Depression to the Great Recession, from bad policies to bad leaders, we have had to endure hardships and difficult times as a nation. And we recognize, recognize that these things are part of life and more storms are likely on the horizon for our country. As a church, we have faced storms throughout our history, from government oppression and persecution to false teachers to unscriptural doctrines, from poor leadership in places to no leadership in places, from pandemics, and mask mandates, and stay-at-home orders, the church has faced hard and difficult times, and many storms are likely on the horizon for the church. There will likely be more laws passed that are unfriendly to Christians. There will likely continue to be less tolerance for our biblical beliefs, and there very well may come a day when persecution against the church in this country is very real reality. As an individual, we face storms as well. I've described the, the storm, the greatest storm that I have faced in my life, But each of us have these life storms that overtake us. Some of you can think back to storms of your past. Some of you are here today and you're in the midst of a storm now. Some of you may not have faced a storm very bad yet, but I want you to know it is likely that that's coming. If you're here this morning and you've recently lost a loved one, or you're watching someone that you love suffer physically, or you're dealing with a health issue that causes you constant pain, or a terminal diagnosis that causes you to face your own mortality, The possibility of relationship issues, of a broken marriage, or rebellious children, of a lost job, of injury, mistreatment by someone. Maybe you're dealing with mental and emotional difficulties that no one else here can even see. But no matter what the storm you have faced, or no matter what storm you're facing this morning, these experiences should at least make make it clear to us that storms are a part of life. They come for all of us, and all of us must learn how to deal with them. I want you to know that Old Testament and New Testament biblical characters, they faced storms as well. We're not alone in this. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. Job lost his children and his great wealth. Ruth lost her husband and her homeland. David lost a child. John the Baptist was beheaded. The apostles were beaten and thrown in prison and martyred. Paul specifically was thrown in prison, shipwrecked, put on trial. Stephen was stoned to death. And we could go on and on and on with Old and New Testament characters that faced difficulties in life. And while I'm sure that they would rather have lived peaceful lives without having to face those difficulties, just like you and I would prefer to live peaceful, easy lives, that's not the reality that we face. Why? Many people, when faced with the reality of hardships like these, want to ask this question. And this is the most important question they need answered. Why? Why am I facing this storm? Why is it happening to me? Why would a loving God allow something like this to happen? And these situations combined with a misunderstanding of how God has chosen to interact with us, with humanity, have led some people to question God's purpose, his love, and even his existence. And so I believe that there are more important questions to ask than why, but I want to share with you some biblical answers to this question real quick, because this is the first question that seems to come into everyone's mind during storms. I want you to know that first off, one of the reasons why we may be facing a storm may be the consequences, the natural consequences of free will decisions that are made. In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we see an amazing paradise that God created. 
One where humans could live in constant communion with God without the worries of sorrow, of pain, or even of death. And if we had remained there sinless without Adam and Eve committing that sin, humankind would have remained there and lived forever on a paradise on earth. But in Genesis chapter three, we know what happened. Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God. They ate the fruit they weren't supposed to. They committed sin before God and they started a chain reaction of consequences that changed the reality of existence, not only for them, but for all of humanity from that point forward. As a result of that fall in the garden, God decreed that we would be subject to the natural consequences of our own free will. He decreed that no longer would we live in that paradise, but we would be cast out facing hardship and difficulty, specifically in everyday tasks like growing crops and bearing children. Those things would now be painful and more difficult for us. We would also be forced to face our own mortality. We were subject to both physical and spiritual death moving forward. These are the consequences of our rebellion as a race as a people. We changed our own reality. And it is during these types of hardships, when we make decisions and we suffer the consequences of those decisions, that we need to remember not to blame God, but to blame ourselves. Adam and Eve could not turn to God and blame him for their fall. They chose it and they suffered the consequence. And so there may be situations in our life where we are dealing with relationship issues or job loss or struggles of other kind where it's the result of bad decisions that we've made. And if we can honestly look at ourselves and recognize that, then it will help us to remember not to blame God because it wasn't God's fault, it was ours. But sometimes it's not the result of our own free will decisions. Sometimes it's the result of Satan's influence and the decisions of others. First Peter five verse eight says, be sober, or be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now, in addition to our free will, our adversary, Satan, has chosen to be a thorn uh, in our side just as he was to Adam and Eve on that day. So just as Satan approached them and contributed by tempting them to their fall and their sin before God, he does that for you and I today. We are tempted, tempted to rebel against God, tempted to make bad decisions, but not only us, so is everyone else around us. And so sometimes, even when we are seeking to do everything right and make all the right decisions, the bad and sinful decisions of others can affect us and can hurt us. Because the reality is, Satan can't control you, he can't control others, but he can tempt people towards evil. And when other people succumb to that temptation and they commit evil through their actions, intentionally or unintentionally, it can cause us pain and hardship. And some of you may be here this morning and may be able to think back to a time when you were hurt when you were caused pain and difficulty at the evil and sinful decisions of someone else. And it's in those moments that we must remember not to blame God, but to blame Satan and his influence for that sin and that pain and that hardship that we're dealing with. But sometimes the answer to that question, why, why is this happening to me? Why does God allow this storm? May not be the result of our natural or the consequences of our decisions or even the consequences of other people's free will decisions. Sometimes it may simply be time and chance. Ecclesiastes 9 and 11 says, Again, I saw that under the earth the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor the bread to the wise, nor the riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. Solomon teaches us an important life principle that comes into play when we're talking about these storms of life. The reality is sometimes accidents happen. Tragedies can befall us for no reason other than time and chance. Sometimes the luck of the draw genetically can cause us physical or mental difficulties in life. Sometimes we begin, or we are in the wrong place at the wrong time, and something bad happens for no other reason than that. Brothers and sisters, when you face those types of storms, remember that it is not God 
that needs to be blamed for that. But it is the reality of the human existence that we are all subject to time and chance. And so as you face your storms, remember there are many reasons why. And we could spend all day long talking about potential reasons why we're going through what we're going through. But I believe that there's more important questions that we need to talk about. And of this one thing I am certain this morning, and I want to share this with you and tell you confidently, that I believe with all my heart that you need to recognize and know that God does not cause the storms in your life. God is not punishing you. He is not withholding his love from you. God has warned us and told us over and over again in his word that the storms of life will come. What he's asking of you and I is to prepare for that reality, to know that hardships are coming. He's asking us to build our life house upon a foundation that will endure those storms of life. And instead of asking why, I think we need to ask questions like, what is God asking of me during this difficult time? What can I do in order to endure this great storm and hardship that I'm facing? How has God promised to help me as I walk through this difficulty? I want you to know, number two this morning, that storms will destroy a temporal foundation. They are a part of all of our life. We all face them. But if our life is built upon a temporal, physical foundation, these storms will come through and they will destroy us. Jesus compared that foolish man in his parable with the person who hears Jesus' teaching and ignores it. And if we ignore the teachings of Christ, if we ignore the things written in the Holy Scriptures, and we build our life the way that we want, then when those storms come, it's really easy to blame God, to lose faith, and to be destroyed by those storms. I want you to know only the foolish choose to live for this life. When the storms of life hit, they can easily destroy the physical aspects of our life. And I want you to think about that, such as our health, our loved ones, our jobs, our wealth, our comfort, those things can easily be taken from us in a moment. When our happiness and our contentment in life is founded upon those things, our wealth, our health, our loved ones, our jobs, and such, then when those life storms come and our purpose is about obtaining, keeping, and enjoying those physical things, our foundation will be easily shaken and havoc will be wreaked in our life. It's because of that temporal kind of foundation that people become angry and embittered toward life and God. It's because of a temporal foundation that some people turn to drugs and alcohol to dull the pain caused by the storms of life. It's because of a temporal foundation that some people fall into sorrow and depression that is so deep that it leads to self-harm and even suicide. And it's because of a temporal foundation that some people who never even face much hardship in this life will still crumble, fall, and be destroyed in eternity. And so I want you to know this morning that the foolish choose to build their life upon the physical and temporal things of this world. These things will be destroyed. And if we tie ourselves to these things, we'll be destroyed right along with them. I want you to think about Judas for a moment. In Matthew chapter 27, it says, Judas, which had betrayed him when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See now to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Now, we've talked about Judas a little bit this week and the fact that he betrayed Christ because of a previous problem of greed that he had had. John tells us that, that even as Jesus was alive, that Judas was stealing money from the group. He had a problem with greed, and so he betrayed Jesus for these 30 pieces of silver. But after Jesus was actually crucified and Judas saw that his Lord that he had betrayed was actually put to death, he felt great guilt and regret. And he goes back and he tries to return the pieces of silver. And they said, hey, that's not our problem. You chose this. This is your fault. 
And when that grief and guilt became too much for Judas to bear, and he had no stronger foundation that he had built his life upon, he gave up and he went and he took his own life. Think about the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10, verses 21 and 22. The rich ruler had asked a question of Jesus. He had said, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus had responded that he should keep the old law. And the rich young ruler said, ever since I was a child, I've kept the old law. What do I lack? What do I still need to do? And Jesus beholding him loved him and said unto him, one thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come and take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved, for he had great possession. The result of this interaction was that that rich young ruler was grieved and sorrowful, knowing that what Jesus had asked was a large sacrifice. He had great wealth and great possessions, and he was unwilling to give it up. And so being unwilling to give up that wealth and those possessions, he gave up eternal life in the process. He built his life upon the foundations of riches and wealth. Now imagine if he were to lose those riches at some point in his life, at some point in the future. What happiness, what purpose, what satisfaction would he have then? More than that, at the end of his life, when he, like all of us, faces death, would his riches have been enough to buy his way into heaven? Certainly not. Those riches are temporal and physical, and one day they will be burned up. And if we die before that day, we certainly recognize we can't take the riches with us. So why do we live for them? Why do we make that our priority? He gave up eternal life because he tied himself to this temporal world. Without the spiritual foundation of Christ and salvation, what hope do any of us have in this life or in the next? Uh, Number three, I want you to know this morning that not only are storms a part of life and they will destroy a temporal foundation, but that they cannot shake a spiritual one. And that no matter what storms of life we face, we can endure them, we can get through them, and we can keep moving forward if our life is built upon the sure foundation of Christ and his word. Remember that Jesus compares the wise man in his parable with the person who hears his teaching and does those things. He applies those things. He takes hold of salvation with eagerness. He thirsts to know the word and the will of God. He wants a spiritual mindset to walk through life with. That's the type of person that has a spiritual foundation that has built their life upon those spiritual things. And the storms of life cannot touch you, cannot touch those spiritual aspects of your life. While they can take away our wealth, our homes, our comfort, Loved ones, all of those things, our jobs, they cannot take away our faith, our trust, our hope, our love, our peace, our contentment, unless we let them. Because those things are given to us on the inside through our faith in Jesus Christ. Those are the gifts of the Spirit. Those are the things that we have when we live for Christ first. And no storm of life can touch our faith or our peace or anything else spiritual unless we allow them to. I want you to know that you need to be preparing for the storms today. In 2017, this is a picture from Hurricane Harvey that hit our area uh, very, very hard. It sat on top of the Houston, the Gulf Coast region uh, for several days. In four days, it dropped about 60 inches of rain. Uh, Massive flooding that the area had not ever seen before. Over 13 million people were affected. 135,000 homes were damaged or destroyed in that historic flooding. Up to a million cars were totaled as a result of the floods. You know, once a hurricane is here, there's not much you can do. Not much you can do about it. You you just got to buckle down and hope you can get through. Before it arrives, though, there are some precautions that you can take. First of all, you can leave town and not be there. I mean, that's an option. 
You can make sure that you're gone and that you don't have to face that difficulty. But you can also put sandbags at your door. You can stock up on food. You can make sure you have a generator. You can make sure you have enough gas for your generator. There's things you can do to endure that hurricane as you know it is coming. But it takes preparation and planning. It takes, while times are good, making sure that you're ready for when times aren't. The same thing is true with the storms of life. We need to be preparing for the storms that will come when our life is good. Because the reality is, storms are coming. Here's a few suggestions for how I believe that we can prepare for the storms of life that are coming. One, I want to encourage you to grab hold of salvation. Psalm 37 and 39 says, But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. Make sure you have started building your life house on the right foundation with the right cornerstone. Make sure that it starts with the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ because without that, nothing else matters. So if you're here this morning and you're not saved, if you've not obeyed the gospel, if you've not been baptized into Christ, having your sins washed away, that's step one to prepare for the storms because if you plan to walk through those storms of life without Christ, without a spiritual foundation, without faith, those storms will wreak havoc in your life. So first, Grab hold of salvation and hold on to it tight. Number two, read and learn God's word. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, without knowing God's word, it's impossible to construct your life according to its pattern. The wise person will be reading scripture every day, studying the Bible. Seek to memorize verses, to implant the word of God into your mind, into your heart. The wise person will ask questions of people that are more spiritually advanced or mature than them when they run into scriptures or passages or things that they don't understand because the wise person will want to know the word and the will of God. They will have a thirst for knowledge. Without that spiritual knowledge, how can we be prepared to face the storms? Number three, make spiritually based decisions. Romans 8 and verse 5 says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the, of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Knowing God's Word is very important, but applying it by making spiritually Bible-based decisions is the next step in constructing that firm foundation. If you want to be wise and be able to withstand the storms of life, you need to construct your personal life, your family life, your work life, and your church life according to the teachings of Christ in the Scripture. And when you are making a decision that affects any of those areas in your life, do not consider the financial implications first. Do not consider first the effect it will have on your comfort or your pleasure. But instead, consider first the spiritual impact that that decision will have on you, on your family, and on your congregation. That's what it means to make spiritually based decisions. And only when we have our priorities correctly in place, we will be better prepared for the hardships that are coming. Now, when those storms come, preparation time is over and it's time to withstand. But if you're prepared, if you're studying the word of God, if you're seeking to make spiritually based decisions, if you have grabbed onto the salvation of Christ and it is the number one thing in your life, then you're equipped and you're prepared. And now it's time to walk through those difficulties. And so here's a few suggestions that I have if you're facing a storm now. Rely on the promises of God and keep moving forward. Philippians 3, 13 and 14 says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, when you're in the middle of a terrible hardship in life, this can be hard to remember, but God has promised that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. While we may feel alone at times, we need to remember that God's promises are still true. As true as they are when we're on the mountain, they're still true when we're in the valley. 
in good times and in bad. So take it a day at a time and keep moving forward. And sometimes that means making little changes and little improvement from day to day. When you wake up in the morning, work to be the best that you can be in your situation and whatever difficulty you're facing. And no matter how tough it gets, and there will be moments where you have to stop and you cry, you stop and you feel it, but then get back up and keep moving forward, even if it's an inch at a time, because God's promises are still true. Remember that and hold on to it no matter how tough it may get. Number two, ask for help and rely on your church family. James chapter 5 and verse 16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now this is another uh, popular or famous picture that came out of that hurricane in 2017, Hurricane Harvey in our area. And I want you to know living through that, it was amazing to see the community come together to help one another as we were impacted by that flooding and the wind damage. Politics didn't matter anymore. Differences didn't matter anymore. The entire city and area was in need and hurting and people banded together to help one another. Strangers were walking into other strangers' homes and helping them to tear sheetrock and insulation out that had been damaged by the flooding and helping them to repair and to rebuild. And it was an amazing thing to witness. But even more than that, it was amazing to see the love and support shown by our brotherhood of churches, by our congregation. You know, there were many people that came down to the area, that volunteered, that spent time and put work in with their hands to help church members and strangers alike with the damage that they had been affected by. But not only that, churches across the brotherhood put funds together and sent, I don't remember the exact number, but nearly $200,000, I think, within a matter of, of a few days to help church members and congregations and people that were hurting as a result of that storm. What a blessing it is to have a church family and people that you can rely on. Now, here's what I want you to remember. When you're facing struggles and you're facing your individual storms, those same church people that are so generous and so willing to help in situations like that are generous and willing to help you. And they want to be there for you. None of us are immune from the hardship. None of us are immune from the struggles. But what will hurt us more than anything is if we believe that we cannot talk to anyone about it, if we believe that we must hold it inside, and if we believe that it cannot be shared because we are attempting to hold on to that burden all by ourselves. When Christ has told us that not only will he take that burden, but so will the church. So will every other Christian person that's around you will help you to bear it. That's our responsibility as a church and as a congregation. That's what we're here for. So I want to encourage you, don't be afraid to talk to one another and request help. If you're going through a difficult issue of life, you don't have to do it on your own. You have people around you that want to help you. Number three, I want to encourage you to pray for spiritual help. Philippians chapter four, verse six says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You know, prayer is an opportunity for all of us to lay our burdens upon the Lord. You know, often when we're facing a difficult time in life, we're facing a storm, what is our first instinct to pray for? Most of the time, in my experience, we often pray that God would remove the hardship from us, that healing would be had, that another job would be right around the corner the next day, that our health would be restored, that our wealth would be restored, that whatever hardship or difficulty we're facing, that God would take it away. God certainly is God, he is sovereign, he has the ability to do whatever he chooses to do. But I want you to remember that he has never promised that Christian people are going to have an easier time in life. What he has promised 
is that he will help you to walk through it. So what I want to encourage you to do when you're facing these difficult times is, yes, know, let go, God know your desire, but be willing to modify your prayers in this way. Instead of praying only that God would remove the storm and then being disappointed in him when that storm remains, pray that God would provide you with the strength to overcome it. Pray that God would help to increase your faith. Pray that he would provide you with wisdom as you make decisions in those difficult and trying times. Pray that he would give you peace of mind no matter what you're going through, whether the outcome of that situation is good or bad. Because the reality is all of us face storms, Christians included. Many Christians unfortunately choose to believe that God will supernaturally protect them from danger or harm. Many believe that with enough prayer, the storms of life can be avoided altogether and removed from their life. And again, while God is certainly capable of anything, he has never promised that to Christians. In fact, quite the opposite. He has told us in his word that all of us, Christians included, will be subject to the storms of life. We are subject to the natural consequences of our own free will decisions. We are subject to the natural consequences of other people's decisions. And we are subject to time and chance. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 45, Jesus said this, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. The reality is that God has chosen to allow storms to affect all of us, whether we have built our life house on the sure foundation of Christ or not. When you become a Christian, God does not suddenly shield you from the storms, but he does help you to walk through them. He gives you hope and a confidence that can keep you going during those rough times. He provides a peace that surpasses all understanding. He will be there for you and for us, not only in those ways, but through the actions of his church. When your house is built upon Christ, when you live with that spiritual focus, you can face whatever life throws at you, not because God changes the storm, but because God changes you, because you are a different person through Christ and have a different perspective and an ability to walk through those things that otherwise without Christ, you would not be able to. The last thing that I want you to know this morning about storms is that they will eventually pass. This life is full of trouble. We've talked about many examples of that this morning. And though we recognize all of us will face those storms, God's promise is that the storms will pass. And I want you to know many of life's storms that we face are temporary in nature, meaning they won't last forever anyways. As difficult as the storm was, Nine years ago when I lost my mom, and it was, and though I still have scars to this day from that moment, over time, moving forward, inch by inch, remembering that the promises of God are still true, and looking toward heaven and spiritual things as the foundation of life has helped my family to get through that storm. And no matter what storm you're facing today, the same thing will be true for you. Some sicknesses and diseases can be overcome, and health can be restored. Some relationships can be mended, and joy can be found between you and your loved one again. Some wounds will heal, and if we have our foundation in place and keep moving forward, some of these storms will pass in this life, and we can begin focusing on rebuilding our life house. Psalm 30 verse 5, for his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. 
I want you to know that if you're walking through a temporary storm today, keep trusting in God's promises. Keep moving forward and focus on the joy that comes in the morning, the joy that comes on the other side. God can help you to rebuild your life and you can find that joy and contentment and peace again that you may not be feeling right now when you're in the midst of that terrible storm. But I also want you to know this morning that even if your storm is not temporary, if it is not something that you expect that you will be able to overcome in this life, if it doesn't pass on this side of eternity, Remember that our ultimate joy comes in the eternal morning. Remember that we have an eternal home waiting for us, that we have been given the greatest gift and blessing imaginable. And while the hope of heaven might not diminish the physical pain or the hurt or the difficulty or the grief or the stress that we feel in the midst of a, of a terrible storm of life, it will provide us with the hope and the trust and the faith that we need to walk through it to the end of our life, knowing that on the other side, we have the hope of heaven and the wonderful blessing that awaits there. And I believe with all my heart that the reality of heaven's wonder and amazingness will far outweigh the pain and the difficulty of this life's storm. And so it will be well worth it to stay faithful and to keep moving forward and to endure those difficulties because we know what is coming. Revelation 21 and 4 says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things have passed away. For those of you who have lost Christian loved ones, as I have, you can have confidence that you will be reunited with them one day in heaven. For those of you who are suffering from disease and pain, you can have confidence that you will have a new glorified body in heaven. Every hurt, every sorrow, every tear will be gone. Death will no longer be our enemy, what a magnificent promise that is to those of us who choose to build our life house upon that sure foundation of rock, upon the teachings of Christ. In that eternal par paradise of heaven, the faith and the endurance that it took to withstand these storms will have been well worth it. And I want you to know that this morning. So as we close, if you're not in a storm today, if your life is good, I'm gonna encourage you today to prepare your house and be ready because a storm may very well be on the horizon. Build on the proper foundation. Live with a spiritual purpose. Today, if you're in the midst of a storm, once again, I want to encourage you not to blame God. Don't start doing that, because God did not cause your storms. Reach out to your church family for help. Pray. But again, I want to encourage you, instead of praying for that storm to be taken away, pray that when the night is darkest and the storm is raging, that you would have the courage, the strength, and the faith to withstand. Keep the faith. Don't give up. Live not for yourself, but for Christ. And remember, ultimately, joy will come in the morning. And that promise is for you and for me and anyone else who will take hold of it. This morning, if you're not a member of Christ's body, you have denied yourself the blessing, the greatest blessing of all, which is salvation and a hope of heaven for eternity. And if you need to give your life to Jesus this morning, don't wait. It's time. We don't know what's coming tomorrow. We don't know if our life will continue. We don't know if this earth will continue to spin on. Don't wait. Make the decision this morning. If you're struggling with something and you'd like to request the prayers of the church, we also want to invite you, if we can help you in any way, to come sit on a front pew as we stand and sing.